Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We met Ali Twelve Trees for the first time in episode one. She was outside the Welcome Trust building on a very rainy day in March 2020, ready and waiting to give her presentation. She's trying for the second time to win a grant to keep her lab alive. It's like the end of a process, you know, certainly the end of something, whatever happens. She called us when she got out and Benjamin ran down the road to meet her in the cafe next door. She was pretty upbeat. I didn't say anything that I regret. (laughs) We know that laugh by now. The alley laugh. The laugh that says, I'm nervous, but I'm trying to keep it light. The self-deprecating laugh. Still, the last time Ali did this interview, she wasn't laughing at all afterwards. Like I remember, I met um, Richard and Kerry, and I think they were hoping for me to be really happy that it was over, and I was a bit like, I don't think that went well. <laughs> like I could tell that I'd been rattled, and that I wasn't... I just wasn't confident. I just was not... I didn't have the conviction of my ideas. It's like, it's a lot of emotional investment. You want it to be really analytical and, like, whatever, but it's just not. (laughs) She's no less invested this time around. Probably more when she thinks of the students she's left beavering away in the lab, reliant on her to attract resources. This time she's come to the same building, given a similar five-minute presentation to a similar 30-person panel in a room just across the hall from the one she's in today. But this time felt different. So the last time, I remember that room, like I was in the left-hand side, I remember it just being very dark. It was wood-panelled still, I think. It was incredibly dark. I had made my slides with a dark background, so there was no illumination from my slides. And I couldn't really see. But this time it was very light and bright. So that was the 5th of March. Ali went back up to Sheffield that night and tried not to think about when she would hear back from the panel. For a couple of weeks, she helped her PhD students to get their experiments working, gathering data on the shape of the kinesin motor protein. But then something much more seismic took over. Cases of the new coronavirus had been drifting upwards in the UK, and the first deaths are reported in early March. Italy, the first European country to be hit with an outbreak, put its whole population into lockdown on March the 9th. Around that time, the UK government advised people with symptoms of a cold to stay at home. Nature's offices were still open, like most others in London. 
But Dan and Ali started to make plans. So it's kind of weird because, like, last week, last two weeks even, I'd already started talking to my team and, like, well, if we need to go to working from home, because you could kind of see <laughs> what was happening in Europe, right? Like, you watch the news, you see it happening. So we sort of talked about what would happen if they couldn't come into lab. And it's hard because, like, I don't want to, like... <laughs> I don't want to pretend they're going to be productive in this time because they're not. But at the same time, we don't really know how long we're going to be in this state. So it was more like these are useful things that you could concentrate on if you want to. A week drifted by, then two. By the 18th of March, the university had stopped face-to-face teaching. Dan had to broadcast his lectures from an empty theatre. But they hadn't issued any official instructions on lab closures. Not prepared to wait, Ali and Dan made some difficult choices. Yesterday... We sort of made the decision that we were just shutting everything down because it just wasn't... Like you kind of have to, It's difficult to move on unless you make a decision, right? I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's sad from a personal perspective. Obviously, it's the right thing to do um, for people's safety. And, and um, um, so there's no debate about it. But um, I think having the last few weeks before the, the virus you were starting to see there was a community in the lab which was nice and people interacting and science happening there were days when even I managed to get into the lab over the last few weeks so there were four or five people working in the lab and having battled quite hard to get to that point um, it was really satisfying so it was quite sad from that perspective to see it all um, closed down There are things they can do while the labs are closed Some of Dan's students have results to play with, some can design new experiments ready for the return. But neither lab has a repository of data just sitting waiting. It's really, really hard for us. It's so hard because we're such a... We've only, you know... We've only just started, right? So we're not sat on stacks and stacks of data waiting to analyse. That's not not how that works (laughs) when you're starting out, right? And I think it's a little bit frustrating, you know, seeing like the big established labs kind of mouthing off on Twitter, being like, oh, yeah, we're just going to write loads of papers and do all this analysis. More than the science, though, it's the social implications of the shutdown that Ali and Dan are most concerned about. The social side is really difficult. And I think that's what I miss most. Yes, science is happening, but that will happen again. And but... Again, having worked really hard to build a coherent lab that get on with each other and that enjoy working together, to see that dissipate is is quite difficult. It's a period that's likely to affect those on the lower rungs of the scientific ladder most profoundly, Ali says. New PIs in barely stable situations, some who might have young children at home, students with limited time and funding. I don't think anybody has really begun to grasp how massive an effect this is going to have. On the 23rd of March, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson addressed the nation. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Locked down for three weeks, enforced by the police, Johnson declares a national emergency in an historic address to the nation. Ali and Dan, already working from home, were now looking after Ada too. 
Her school closed at the end of the week. I told her the other day, well, we were talking about homeschooling the other day and how she felt about it. And she said, uh, I think it's a great idea, Daddy. I'm going to be the teacher. I think that's pretty much the basis for how homeschooling is going to happen. They decide to focus on fun rather than hardcore learning, since Ada is only five. They draw flowers in the garden and do an online exercise class as a family. So our neighbours must think we're crazy, um, jumping around, which is quite hard work. Um, so that's our, our nine o'clock uh, routine for getting out of bed to do some PE. And then we um, dissected a daffodil before lunch today, which was quite nice, and drew a picture of it. The following Wednesday, two days into lockdown, reality sets in a bit more. Ali still hasn't heard from Welcome, and both she and Dan are trying to keep their teams motivated and occupied but this pause is the last thing they need. I'm really worried because we don't really have any money at the moment. Um, And it becomes very difficult in these circumstances to write another grant or create more preliminary data or... I don't know, we might just sink. Later that afternoon, Ali was making Ada a snack when she saw an email from Welcome on her phone. The subject line was the same as it was when she last heard from them about a grant. And I opened it up and read the first couple of sentences. Well, I don't even think I read them, I just kind of scanned them. Uh, And then kind of, yeah, ran upstairs and cried on Dan. Ali read us the email later that day. Dear Dr Twelve Trees, I am pleased to confirm that your application... I was successful. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it sounds melodramatic, but it kind of just means everything. Like this is this is everything that I've worked for, and knowing that we can do all of the things that we're excited about for five years that's the most that's the most certainty you ever get in a scientific career (laughs) like that we're going to do all the things that we're most excited about um and get really cool data and see things that people haven't seen yet you know it's really cool (laughs) yeah it's a bit like winning the science lottery Ali has won £1.26 million. She assembled her team on Zoom and gave them the news. So, uh, I have something important that's just happened. Uh, we've got a million pounds. Lockdown continues beyond the three weeks the government initially planned, into April and then into May. By the second month, there's a rhythm to Dan and Ali's days. They split the day half and half. They keep office hours so their team members know when they can find them online. Ali has designed projects for the master's students who were due to start in her lab the week it closed. She and Dan are both worried about how they're going to extend the funding that their students will need after the gap. 
These positions are often funded by a patchwork of separate studentships. Many have had to pause or refocus their projects. One of Dan's students has taken a leave of absence to volunteer in a Covid testing lab. But they're also making tentative plans for reopening, its own logistical headache, with social distancing guidelines and personal thresholds for feeling safe. Dan's lab is in its own space with four walls, but Ali's is open plan, making timetabling a nightmare. It's not just about what we want to do, it's about what every other lab in the building wants to be able to do as well, because if there's, you know, density of people and stuff, we have to work together as a department to make sure that it's fair, basically, and that people have the access that they need. In the summer of 2020, Dan's lab opens again and his group can come and go as they please, as long as they're socially distanced. Ali's lab at Citran is a tighter space. There's no room for them all at once. The whole building works on a shift pattern. One of the biggest hurdles we've got at the moment is access to microscopes because it involves moving between buildings to try and do experiments, um, which is really hard on everybody. Several lab members have fallen foul of the arrangement, preparing samples all morning at Citran and taking them to another building for microscopy, only to discover they don't have all the reagents they need, at which point they can't go back to Citran. Mostly, the team has found ways around it. Yeah, it's a totally different way of doing science because people in the... They're all doing bits of experiments for each other now. And that, you know, they've been brilliant at it. They've been they're taking care of each other. At the end of 2020, we touch base again. Ali has just sent out an email to start the process of getting her grant money. It won't all flood in immediately. In fact, it might be months until the more expensive items can be procured. But it's a start. And the team has already decided what they want their first purchase to be. It's practical rather than flashy. We also collectively quite like being very organised. And they wanted to take it a step further. And I think we've decided on a label maker. In Dan's lab, the students are more and more self-sufficient, making decisions without him. And his first ever PhD student is about to fly the nest. That's making him feel like a real lab head. It's kind of handing off from being an early career group to one that's up and running and I haven't quite noticed it happen. But suddenly it's like, oh, suddenly, yeah, my first student is thinking about writing up and um, we're three years in and we've got money and we've got a group that's growing. By the end of 2020, Dan and Ali had hit their stride. Ali decided to release her grant money in January, Dan was recruiting for a postdoc, and together they've weathered what the Covid pandemic has thrown at them so far. At Nature, we'd started to write up their story and make this series when we got some news that came as a shock. When we called them next, they looked sombre and tired. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a big curveball that none of us were really expecting. And um, yeah, I was just biking home from work and... I woke up in hospital. In December, Dan was on his usual route home from work, past the children's hospital. I think when I first got the call, the guys who found you weren't, couldn't rule out, no one saw Dan fall off his bike. And there was no CCTV footage. Um, So it sort of looked a bit like a hit and run. And I, I found that, I mean, in terms of it being a road accident and Dan being on his bike, that's something that kind of I have a fear of in general. 
In fact, Dan had had a brain haemorrhage. He was found by a team of doctors coming out of the children's hospital. They diagnosed me before they put me on the ambulance, so they knew what to look for in A&E when I got there. And there is a brain injury stroke unit in the Sheffield Hospital, so they were able to do everything really quickly. And um, But otherwise, I would have been in real trouble. The doctors treating Dan put him into an induced coma. And it wasn't really clear when Dan went in, I mean, when that Dan was ever going to wake up. I think the doctors were not um, particularly... Uh, beaten around the bush in terms of the condition in which he entered hospital about what his chances were. So I think that he's here at all is one thing, let alone that he's basically working as normal. Um, Almost fully functioning. Dan spent three weeks in hospital before being able to come home to continue his recovery. Ali and fellow lab head Emma Thompson took over the day-to-day running of his lab and colleagues picked up his teaching. I woke up in hospital and I had lectures starting in January. I'm like, right, I'm well. I need to get back and do my lectures now. <laughs> um, he was not well. <laughs> he was on a lot of drugs. I think that was for <laughs> drugs talking. Indeed. In the months since, Dan has made a remarkable recovery. He can walk and speak basically as before. He's still not back to normal, whatever normal looks like now. He still gets very tired, and if he forgets to do his physio, one of his feet goes numb. But both labs are running well. Dan has appointed a postdoc to continue the microscope work he began last year, and Ali has started the paperwork required to buy her £250,000 dream microscope. She's also getting some interesting results from her collaboration with the optics lab, which could change her theory of how motor proteins work. Of course... Like all PIs, they have half an eye on the horizon and their next big check. After all, it's now two years since Dan's five-year grant started, and there'll be more grants needed after that. But for now, they have some time. I think we're just going to enjoy um, not feeling like the clock's ticking for a little bit. Yeah, I think you're, you get used to being on a perpetual cliff edge of um, unemployment. unemployment yeah I mean <laughs> so I think we'll just we'll try and enjoy yeah hopefully a period of stability to kind of build some really strong foundations there are thousands of scientists like Ali and Dan and thousands of versions of this story every year as they take their first steps into independent science. Every successful lab head has been a new PI, but not every new PI has allowed four reporters to follow them for three years. We'd like to say thank you to Ali and Dan for sharing their journey so far with us, and now with you. And of course, Ali and Dan's journey has only just begun. They've built strong foundations, now we leave them to build their house. This episode of Starting Up in Science was written by me, Kerry Smith. Benjamin Thompson and I produced the series with editing help from Noah Baker. Heidi Ledford, Richard Van Norden, Benjamin Thompson and I reported the story for the podcast and for the text version that you can find on our website. Read that at nature.com slash news. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.